1: When I was younger, 17, I lived in a small village of like 1,200 people. Usually every year there's this local town festival and all the adults go out for dinner and party at the town hall where they perform some acting and make fun of the year that just passed. Usually this is in February so it's snowy and dark pretty early. And when this festival is on there are absolutely all 13 to 17 year old girls booked for babysitting. Me and my two friends, we went for a drive around the town since you have to be 18 to go to the party. So we just sort of drove around giving people lifts to the party and earned some extra cash. Since there's no taxi in town, this was a great way to get some extra pocket money I guess. But we'd been driving for maybe a couple of hours now and of course we knew where everyone lived and some of the adults asked us to drive past their house to make sure everything is alright and give the parents some extra comfort. I think it was also to give us some tasking until the party was over so they could get a lift home. But in one of the older neighbourhoods in the town there were these low floodlights. We would just drive slowly and one mum who we gave a lift earlier lived there. She was a widow with three young children, two, four and eight, if I recall correctly. And her niece was babysitting and she was 15. The time must have been around, 10pm I would guess, and... When we drove in this neighborhood, which is surrounded by hills and some cliffs, my friend swore that he saw something move in her garden. We didn't think much of it and just sort of said that it was probably a cat or something. We kept driving to the other end of town, but my friend in the back seat said that he just had a bad feeling and wanted to drive back to her house to check if we could see some footprints in the snow or anything like that. We turned around and when we got back there, we parked the car and looked over the fence and yeah, there were fairly new human footprints in the snow, adult size. So we all just sort of looked at each other and decided to follow the trail. The trail went past all the bedrooms but near every window the footprint turned to the window like someone was trying to peek in and eventually the trail ended on the street and we lost it there where the snow plow had been earlier in the night we chatted whether or not if we should go and get the mum from the party or ring the doorbell to check if everything was all right since none of the tracks led to the back door or the front door we decided that two of us would stay in the neighborhood sort of hidden and monitor the house and the driver would drive to the police station and pick up the mum on the way back and that was a very good call Maybe five minutes after he left, we saw someone lurking behind one of the garage couple houses down the road, and he wasn't moving, just sort of sat there with a cigarette. We monitor from a distance since he couldn't see us. Then he stood up, looked around, and started to creep to the house where the mum lived, and then he walked to the back door. Without thinking, me and my friend ran through the two gardens that were between where we were and the mum's house was, so we could watch him trying to enter the back door. We arrived just in time, he was trying to open the door when we shouted at him, what are you doing, and he made a run for it and we followed. He ran down the street to get some speed ahead of us I think, but we were both pretty athletic so we were gaining on him. I must admit too that this was the most intense moment of my life ever and... I remember the only thing that I was thinking was not to slip and lose momentum. The end of the street was approaching though and the next turn would be 90 degrees to the right so instead of slowing down I jumped off the street so that I could intercept him after he would lose speed by taking the turn. My calculation was dead wrong though and he managed to take the turn without losing much speed. I spent too much energy sprinting in the snow and I knew that I would have to slow down at this point. I was still about 10 meters behind him, but my friend was closer and gaining on him. And when my friend realized that he could kick his feet and trip him, he did. He fell, and this was the quickest takedown ever. Smashed his head to the frozen ground, and he was just completely out, just like that. While we were catching our breath, he didn't move. We rolled him over on his back, and he was breathing, but really shallow with a sort of crackling noise. I was terrified, Millions of questions came to my head, like, is he dying? What if this was just some relative making a prank? Why did we even chase him? Meanwhile, my friend checked his pockets, and there was a lubricant, strong sedatives, and a broken camera in there. Luckily for us too, the driver came a couple of minutes after the mum and the police. Then the ambulance arrived, and they took him away. The day after, we were brought forth for questioning in the police station, and the chief told us that he was a known pedophile, not from our town apparently, and we for sure saved the day and probably more kids since the tumble that he took when he fell. He got bleeding in the brain and is not even able to wipe his own butt anymore. We told him the story, and when my friend said that he tripped him, the chief stopped typing and said, Are you sure that you tripped him? The way I see it, you three heroes caught a burglar in the act and while he was running away, he fell and hit his head, right? And looked at us and nodded with a soft smile. Thinking back, this perv must have planned this. Knowing when the festival was, knowing that she was a single mum, picking at the house, knowing where and when and exactly what to do. And knowing that really gives me the creeps. So this situation happened maybe about a year ago now. It's important to note that I'm also a girl, so this was a very scary and potentially dangerous situation for both of us. So one night after work, just after it had become dark, my girlfriend stopped at the Walmart neighborhood market down the road, which, by the way, is next to a big highway or interstate. I made a last-minute run to the bank... And right as I'm pulling out of the bank, I get a text from her about thinking that she's being followed. I asked her for more details and also told her not to leave the store and that I was going to drive up to the front door and either watch her get to her car or have her get in mine if she needed. She told me that there were two men that she kept seeing in every single aisle, usually behind her. They were very clearly staring at her each time and watching her very closely. She thought that she was just being paranoid, but I told her to trust her gut and that she should let a worker know about the situation and even call the police because it wasn't worth the risk. Before I had made it all the way there, though, she texted me that she was in the checkout. She said that the guys followed her there and went to a self-checkout near her, but with no items. They quickly grabbed some gum from the shelf and put it into a Walmart sack, but they just sort of stood there taking forever to cash that item out, and kept watching her and waiting for her to finish. I told her to check out as slowly as humanly possible, and I finally arrived there. She had just texted me that they finally took their bag and exited the store. However, right as I pulled up, I saw two guys that perfectly matched her description of them, hiding in a little cutout near the entrance. They were just standing there and kept peeking around the corner at the front door every single time someone exited, and I knew that they were looking for her. I pulled my car forward right in front of them and literally rolled my window down and just stared into their souls. I didn't look away, and I wanted to make sure that even though they didn't know that I had anything to do with her, that I got a very, very good look at their faces and was watching them. I texted her and told her not to return to her car. I told her to get straight into mine and right then they started walking off. However, they had to have been following her since she arrived because the next thing they did was walk straight to her car. Her car is very unique and stands out. They dropped the bag with the gum in it on the ground on the way to her car and one of them went between her car and the one next to it squatted down by the trunk and just stayed there. The next one walked over to a white work van with painted windows and no license plate. He spoke to someone that was in the driver's seat. While this was happening, one of the cars next to hers left and they then pulled the van up into that spot. Upon seeing this, I obviously called her and told her to go straight to my car and don't even look at hers as they were waiting for her with a van. She comes out with groceries and they see her and squat down and we quickly load them up and she gets in my car. The man stood up and walked to the van, and I pull away and try to go around the van to catch a license plate number, and of course that's when I noticed that there was none. I drove in a totally different direction from home, and we drove around for a while. I wanted to make sure that nobody was following us, of course, and also to give them time to leave her car alone. I wanted to call the cops, but... She was convinced that we were just seeing things that weren't there, like taking coincidences and making them into something. Obviously, looking back, after having talked in depth about both of our experiences and things witnessed, we definitely should have called the cops and I really regret not doing it. And I have since seen that van with the same two guys driving, back in the neighborhoods behind the Walmart too. I was turning onto the street that they were turning off of, still no license plate, but their van had more things on the exterior to make it look like a work van. Things like a ladder on the roof and stuff like that. I got so creeped out that I quickly tried to get away just in case they turned around and tried to come for me, and so I just floored it home. Again I thought about calling the police, but I mean what would I say at this point? Yeah, there's two men driving away from a neighborhood with a work van. Go and get them. They don't even take most things seriously, even when it results in something actually happening here. I just truly hope that there's a valid explanation for all of these actions and that I just came to a conclusion that was not the case and was just being dramatic. But, I don't know. Like... Maybe they waited at the front because they didn't see their buddy with the van and thought that he might be inside the Walmart and were just watching for him. Her car is very cool, so maybe they just looked at it and... I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to steal parts off of her car or something. Maybe there's an explanation, but... Probably not, right? It doesn't explain them following her or getting gum in a bag just to drop it in the parking lot. Anyway... Luckily, I haven't heard of any kidnappings coming out of Walmart, but who knows. I haven't been digging for it or anything, but I do know that I'm extra cautious now and try not to go out past dark. I also scan the parking lot for the van before I go in, but normally I just do the curbside pickup now. My girlfriend, she does the same thing.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I
1: Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. When I was 14 years old, I went to a church gathering on Halloween night that was called Hallelujah Night. It was a Christian alternative to Halloween. My family and I would get there in the afternoon since we'd volunteer to help set up the booths, like the cake walk, candy barrels, all that sort of stuff. But I was mostly there to just get first dibs on all of the candy if I'm being honest. After I finished helping with the usual booth that I helped set up, I took a seat on a bench near the main sanctuary. It was my favorite place to sit at since I could see the entire lot and most of all, the beautiful sunset. I pulled out my PSP at the time and was scrolling through some music that I had on it when some guy approached me and started a conversation. I've never been a people person though, so usually when things like this happen, I just keep the conversation short. However, this guy had this weird type of warmth to him as if he was a friend of mine. As the conversation carried on too, I started to ask him if he was new because I hadn't seen him before. He told me that he had been going to this church for years but left after an incident happened. When I asked him about the incident, he paused, looked at me and said that there's some things people pick up on that they know aren't normal. Also, that you should never get curious about things that you know you should leave alone. I had a sort of confused look on my face, as you can imagine, since I didn't know what he meant at that time. The guy noticed it and said that I would understand once I got older. I looked down at my PSP that I had in my hand still and looked back up and... When I did, the guy was just gone. I looked around and I couldn't find him anywhere in the lot except for a few people still prepping for hallelujah night and it just didn't make any sense fast forward to a few months later and i was sitting in the main sanctuary before leaving to do my usual volunteer work on the upper floor the upper floor was a daycare area for kids so at the end of the service volunteers would escort the children downstairs and i would go into each room shutting off the lights and making sure no children were still up there and I'll never forget getting up to leave to do my usual duties when the pastor started tacking about an upcoming funeral or something. I looked at the big screens on each side of the main sanctuary, and the face of that man that I was talking to during Hallelujah Night was right there on the screen. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, to be honest. To this day, it still seems unreal as well, I was beyond shook as I made my way out of the main sanctuary and to the flights of the big stairs as I went to the upper floor. Once I made it to the upper floor, another volunteer had confirmed that all the children were escorted downstairs, and she noticed that I had looked sort of pale from seeing what I saw in the main sanctuary and asked me if I was okay. I told her that it was nothing and proceeded to cut off all the lights on the upper floor as she left downstairs. The upper floor was... Like a giant hallway with doors on each side and a door at the end of the hallway with a giant window in it. When I came to the last room at the end of the hall, I would always leave the blinds on that big window open since the light always illuminated the dark hallway and made me feel less scared. But as I left the room, I just remember feeling panicked. It started to get freezing and I felt like if I left that room, something was waiting for me in the darkened rooms that were going to jump out and attack me. And as I'm trying to muster up the courage to just run for it, I see a small head of a child peek out of a couple of doors down. It stayed there for a few seconds too, and then it put its head back in the room. I immediately called out to the child, but there was no answer. And the fear that I had, maybe a minute ago, was now gone, as I left the last room to go through the illuminated hallway. I made it to the other room in a matter of seconds, cutting on the lights and searching the entire room for the kid that I saw, but there was no one there. I started getting spooked again as I cut off the lights in that room, and then one of the most terrifying things that I've ever seen and experienced happened. As I was leaving the room, I looked back at the last room's window, which illuminated the hallway, and out of nowhere, there was this massive black mass moved in front of the window, almost covering the light completely. It was darker than black and its outline as it covered the light seemed to be moving almost. It was enough to scare me to run for my life and I ran the rest of the hallway and down the stairs. I was stopped by one of the ushers who told me not to run but when I told him what I saw, he looked at me as if I was crazy. Once church was over, I told my parents about what happened on the ride home, and they ended up not believing me since well, they're skeptics. But I know what I saw that day, and it's something that it still terrifies me to this very day. Look, Bumble knows
0: you're exhausted by dating. Alda the- must not take yourself too seriously, and since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
1: This happened back when I was 14, but even with my bad memory, I remember this years later. I honestly think that this memory is going to haunt me for the rest of my life in fact. So I would often go walking either alone or with my neighbor Jem but this specific night she didn't go with me. I usually went walking around nine at night but was impatient that night so I left about 15 minutes early. It was summer in Texas but I grabbed my black hoodie anyway The reason for this was because I was a pretty small kid, even for my age, and I would walk with a knife in my sleeve in case of a problem. There was security in this area, but they were pretty much useless and weren't fond of the kids anyway. So the black hoodie was to avoid them seeing me and to maybe help avoid being noticed by anyone else too. The area was heavily wooded and the roads had no streetlights, mind you. I had lived there my whole life though so with the moonlight this wasn't really an issue. I could see things as much as I needed to to get around. So I walked to the park in the area and sat down on the swing set like I had a million times before. The park was old and wasn't very well taken care of so the swing set creaked and the wooden picnic tables were half rotted with the paint mostly peeled away and the metal slide was covered in rust. There was the main road that ran in front of the park, and a branch off-road that ran along the side of the park. There was sort of a thin line of trees between the side road and the park, too. After a while, a favorite song of mine came on, and I, of course, started singing it, since singing was a big way that I let out stress despite my stage fright. But I had a tendency to not hold back when swinging at this park, since there was rarely people there during the day, let alone at night. My blood ran cold when I saw the shape of a person maybe 50 to 100 feet in front of me on the main road. The main reason for the chill too was the fear that this random person actually heard me sing but then I I got a deeper and worse feeling. Something was just wrong about them. I noticed that the person was walking fast, like really fast, almost running speed in fact. I figured that he might have been running from something or after something, but when I looked around everywhere that I could possibly see from where I was, I saw nothing else but them. They soon passed by the park not seeming to notice me, and after a few minutes of waiting to make sure that they were gone, I continued singing. After a couple more songs, I decided that it was time to go home. I still had that bad feeling, of course. That uneasy pit in my stomach that you get when you're being watched. I even thought that I saw something behind the tree line between the side road and the swings, but I brushed that off as an animal or something. Deer were really common here, so were dogs and things, so it was probably me just getting spooked by an animal again. But the feeling just was eating away at me. So I cut my usual 30 minutes to an hour walk to about 10 minutes. I got up and started to leave the park, turning onto the main road to go home. Now, as I'm leaving, I saw a person walking towards the main road from the road that ran right along the park. It looked like the same person as before, too. And it was definitely a man. He must have been visiting a friend or something, right? Even if that was the case... I crossed to the opposite side of the street so that I wouldn't pass directly by him, he didn't look particularly dangerous or unusual or anything so sadly no weird creepy homeless looking man for this story, I just got a bad feeling from him I guess, which is probably what makes him even more terrifying I suppose, he got to the intersection in any case before me and he stopped. I passed by and glanced at the man taking in what details that I could under the moonlight that came from between the tree branches. And, for all intents and purposes, he looked normal. He was probably an average height, wearing a pure white ball cap with no logos that casted a shadow over his face, and a pure white polo type shirt too. Strangely too, there wasn't a speck of dirt on this guy. He looked well kept and made the moonlight almost shine on him like some kind of ghost which just added to my uneasy feeling. He watched me as I passed by and I tried to pretend that I didn't notice. I would occasionally look around as if I was just looking at the woods so I could see the man out of my peripheral vision. I didn't want or need to see the man in detail, partly because I was scared of the possibility of seeing something else too. Just because the man was much larger than me didn't mean that he wasn't probably armed too. In any case, once I was around 15 feet past the intersection, I did one of those glances and my stomach dropped as I saw him turn and start to follow me. Maybe he was just going for an extra long walk or something, right? He probably isn't following me, right? But Then another thought popped into my mind and sent my stomach to my feet i'd been there for probably 10 minutes or so singing after he passed what if he wasn't visiting anyone But what if he was the thing that i saw just beyond the tree line that's kind of obvious now that that was almost definitely the case but let's be fair when do 14 year olds ever think through all the details of a situation completely during the situation He was probably watching me the whole time, thinking back on it, and he could have snuck up and done who knows what at any time. I kept doing my glances though, and noticed that he was getting closer and closer. I gripped my knife tighter, ready in case I had to use it. The chance of it going well wasn't the best, but it was a better chance than not trying at all. But obviously, I wanted that to be a last ditch option. I tried to make sure that it wasn't obvious, that I was keeping tabs on him that is. I didn't want him to get anxious and have him decide to speed up whatever his plan was. I was only halfway home and this was before I had surgery on my ankle too so I was absolutely sure that he would catch me before I would reach my house if I started running where I was. So that wasn't an option whatsoever. I didn't have any current options though so the one that I chose was just to bide my time until an opportunity opened up. I kept walking at a rather quick but unpanicked pace, keeping tabs on the man as he inched closer and kept an eye out for opportunities. And an opportunity came and it felt like it was sent from God himself. I saw headlights. A car was rolling towards me at a careful pace, which was normal considering the animals that I mentioned earlier. And it was Jem's dad. I recognized the shape of the lights and as the car got closer I became convinced that it was him. I was never so relieved to see that tiny white car ever and I tried signaling him without letting the man know I was but he just passed by. He must have thought that I was just saying hi I suppose in retrospect but I glanced back again and even though he didn't stop he did exactly what I needed him to do. He slowed down a bit as he passed, and the man backed up a lot and crossed to the other side of the road. The headlights were on him, and he couldn't see me, at least for around five or six seconds, maybe a bit longer, including readjusting to the dark. Either way, I walked faster, and I didn't run, that way my steps wouldn't be too loud, but I rounded the corner before he'd be able to readjust and get sight of me again. And once I could turn and no longer see him, I quickly rushed home, and... I locked the door. I knew better than to leave it unlocked since, after all, I lived in the woods. Just because I couldn't see him anymore too didn't mean that he wasn't nearby and didn't mean that he couldn't see me. And as stupid as this next part is, it's probably for the best that I did it. I texted Jem and I asked her to meet me outside right now because something happened and I needed to come over. She said okay, and we both went outside. And as soon as I saw her in her driveway, I sprinted to her house. I didn't want to be outside any longer than I had to be. She kept panicking and asked what happened and what was wrong. And once I caught my breath, I told her everything. And right after I got done explaining, her dad walked in the house. He looked at Jem, seeming worried, and then noticed me hiding behind her. He looked relieved and told her that I was about to tell you to ask her to come over here and. I asked him if he saw the man following me, and he said that he did. He didn't really see his face, but that he was trying to make it look like he was on the phone apparently, when he wasn't holding anything at all. But that wasn't even close to the worst part. I think that this was the first time that I've ever seen this man scared, and I'm not sure I've ever seen a fear like this from him since. He told us that the man apparently wasn't alone. You see there's a gate at the front of where I live that needed a card to get in and apparently there was another man outside that gate who looked similar to the first standing by a van. That meant that they didn't live there, didn't want security knowing that they were there and wanted to get out quickly and quietly after they did whatever they were there for. Needless to say I spent the night at Jem's that night and I have no clue what would have happened had Jeb's dad not driven by or if I would have left at my normal time that night. From 2013 to 2019, I worked in an outdoor education at many different summer camps and outdoor education centers too in Canada, mostly Ontario, but I did spend a season in the Rocky Mountains too. Having grown up going to sleepaway camp and eventually participating in month-long leadership programs with backcountry canoeing components and whatnot, I was well prepared to lead a group of teen girls from a camp in Georgian Bay on a two-week camping trip in the Tamagami region during my first year as a counselor. The region is located between North Bay Subjury and Timmins, Ontario. This region is home to many provincial parks, wonderful hiking and even canoeing routes, and the Bear Island Indian Reserve too. Our route was fairly typical and began at the Whitefish Falls region, ending at Highway 11 after 14 days of paddling, hiking and campfire making. We had a satellite phone to check in with our camp director every day and in case of an emergency too. We also had multiple exit points along the route. Now, until our second to last night, we were honestly having fun and it was a relatively uneventful time, besides some mild dehydration and the usual bumps and bruises, that is. Near the end of our trip, we were doing some free camping on the shore of an uninhabited island in Bear Lake that is recognized as a part of Bear Island Indian Reserve. It's a beautiful area and we were across from the main island that the majority of the 250 person population inhabits. We had put out the fire and had gone to bed when, I would guess, uh, about maybe an hour after falling asleep, I was jarred awake by the sound of a, a loud motorboat. Obviously, this isn't that weird because it's a large lake and many people use boats to reach the mainland or their homes on secluded islands. However, it was around 11pm now and things have been quiet for the last few hours. The murder then cut out, and I could clearly hear the sounds of an argument. It sounded like at least one man and a woman, and they were very angry and yelling at each other, although I couldn't hear anything specific because they were too far from shore. When suddenly, the woman screamed, and I heard a splash into the water, and then just complete silence. At this point, I was pretty freaked out and hoping that my girls hadn't woken up, but i wasn't that lucky because i could immediately hear talking from their tent and could tell that they were pretty scared i was about to unzip my door and look out to see if maybe the boaters had had an accident or something when all of a sudden my whole tent lit up the light slowly panned across me and onto the tent my girls were in that immediately made them quiet in a normal volume though i was able to tell them to stay absolutely still the light panned back to my tent and then over to theirs again. I can only guess that it must have been some sort of a boat with a searchlight on it. If anyone has any ideas of what type of boat it could have been, please do let me know too. But after an eternity that was really only about five minutes, the light was turned off and I heard the motor engage and fade as the boat drove away from us. I immediately found the satellite phone and I called our camp director who gave us the phone number for the local police. I called them and they said that they would forward the information that I gave to the local native detachment on Bear Island. I don't think any of us slept that night and I got up at five in the morning to take my canoe out and take a look around. I thought that maybe somebody had fallen overboard and had managed to swim to shore or something. Obviously I didn't find anyone and there was nothing floating in the water either. Although, it was a pretty deep body of water, I'll admit. But after that, none of us wanted to camp one more night there, so I called the camp and had them head out to pick up point a day early. And boy, did we paddle quickly that day and didn't really talk much. I think that none of us really wanted to speculate about what we might have heard and what could have happened if we'd made a noise or moved when the light was on our tents that night. I've also thought about this a lot over the years, but whenever I've told people the story, they've always been quite sceptical. I also recently started looking into missing person cases in the area, but not with much luck. If anyone is listening to this, though, and is familiar with Indigenous issues in Canada, they would know that there is a bit of an epidemic of missing and murdered Indigenous women, and these cases usually go unreported, or unsolved. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.